0: This week on The Backtable Podcast.
1: Bullying is the perfect antidote to self-worth and job satisfaction. It's the perfect crime that leaves no visible marks, but effectively destroys one's ego, identity and resilience.
2: It's really a waste and it's, it's, it's really a pity that we as a society and our culture exclude so many people uh, because of gender, because of their sexual orientation or skin. And we're at the same time, we're lacking of people that are willing to uh, do surgery. So... If we don't change the way that we approach younger people, younger medical students, etc., we will face much bigger problems and we have mm-hmm. to end this toxic environment now.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backtable Podcast, your source for all things interventional and endovascular. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on backtable.com.
2: Now a quick word from our sponsor. At Medtronic, they take deep venous disease and patients' quality of life seriously. That's why they've committed to help you treat patients with the abree self-expanding stent system. Risks include pain, myocardial infarction, pulmonary embolus, and re of the stented segment. Learn more at www.medtronic.com forward slash And now back to the show.
0: Today we have a very special episode on bullying and harassment behaviors in the vascular workplace, but all really overall in healthcare. And we have two special guests who really took a deep dive into this and uh, did a whole study around it. It's an important cross-specialty effort led by you know some, uh, some you know, colleagues, vascular healthcare professionals from several countries. And today we have uh, Rachel Forsyth and Dr. Konstantinos Stravoulakis, is that correct? You did a great job. <laughs> thanks, Matt. <Amanda.
1: laughs> <laughs> Diplomacy. <laughs>
0: and so, guys, I want you guys to give uh, talk, tell our audience a little bit about yourselves. Constantinos, we met via Vascopedia, and then uh, Rachel, and then you introduced me to Rachel. But Rachel, I want to start with you. Just tell our uh, audience a little bit about your yourself and your background, and 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 where you're at today.
1: Sure. Well, thanks very much for inviting me on the podcast. Um, I'm Rachel for I'm a final year vascular surgery trainee in Edinburgh, in Scotland in the UK, just a few months off being a consultant or attending. Um, I'm also president of the Rillo Club, which is the UK Vascular Trainees Association, and we represent all vascular trainees or people wanting to be vascular trainees in the UK and Ireland. I'm no stranger to podcasts, having done a few with the Old World Bleeding Team, and it's a pleasure to be on this one.
2: Thanks, Rachel. Konstantinos, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, um, my name is Konstantinos Uh I'm Greek, but I work in Germany since uh, 2011 uh, and everybody has problems with my name, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I'm consultant of uh, vascular and endovascular uh, surgery in uh, Munich, Ludwig Maximilian University. I uh, spent a long time in Munster, uh, where, where we started the Vascopedia effort. And I think you know the other guys from uh, this project. And uh, we were very interested in uh, doing a survey about the toxic environment in the vascular workplace. So that's how we met uh, also Rachel, who did an excellent job in the past in this topic. Uh, and we joined our efforts in a Common Cause to assess this uh, very important uh, topic. Perfect. Yeah, let's we'll jump into that. Yeah, we've had
0: Lorenzo Petroni on the show. We've had Theo Bezdas before, uh other um, yeah, co-founders of uh Vascopedia. So to our audience, definitely go check those out, those episodes. And also check out vascopedia.com as well as Audible Bleeding, both great resources for the endovascular world. So let's talk about the inspiration behind this study. You know, maybe you can tell us about what the Research Collaborative for Peripheral Arterial Disease is, RCPAD, and how does it represent several vascular departments across the European continent? Konstantinos, I'll start with you.
2: Some years ago, uh, we met uh, a wonderful group of people. Zayet, uh, Thanos uh, Sarangis, Isabel Van Hetzel, uh, Professor Zelo, Giovanni Torzello, and uh, Theo Bizdas. And we had an idea that we have, to, we should... I built a collaboration uh, among departments, um, vascular departments, regardless if they are vascular surgery departments, radiologists, angiologists, cardiologists, in order to be able to perform uh, scientific uh, research programs uh, in Europe. And we started two years ago. We already published uh, one uh, paper about covered in stent reconstructions for aortic disease in European journal. And we try to bring together people from different specialty, uh, specializations that uh, want to perform any kind of research projects in peripheral disease. I, I think we have done a good job till now. Uh, we, of course, we're expanding. There are many programs running till now. And uh, I'm happy to be here with Rachel uh, to present to you one of the uh, recent uh, projects that we performed.
0: Great. And, and Rachel, for you, was there inspiration behind the study? Um, what made you want to get involved with this?
1: So for me, I was approached by the RCPAD team um, to be involved in this study because I previously conducted similar um, research with the Rullo Club. So the Rullo Club, as I said, is the UK Vascular Trainees Association. And every year we do an end-of-year survey, which looks at training issues. And back in 2017, one of the things we asked about was bullying, undermining and harassment. And we repeated the survey in 2021. And unfortunately, things had gotten worse in the five years. So the levels and the incidents had, had increased um, over those five years. And I think it was my understanding is that it was the Rulu Club survey data um, that was partly in a way of inspiring or was the inspiration behind the RCPAD bullying uh, and undermining harassment survey. And I think I think that's why I've be, become involved. Is that right, Constantinus?
2: Yeah, somehow it is. So uh, this was uh, an idea that I had and then I discussed about it with Thanos uh, because I wasn't aware of the of, uh, of your research, Rachel, to be honest. And then uh, Thanos uh, told me about you and your excellent job that you did in the past and then we decided that uh, given your experience, it will be better to join our causes. Sure. But, uh, you know, we're, I, I was quite worried that uh, especially uh, in surgery, the environment in many departments is quite toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that uh, if we don't change our approach uh, to younger colleagues, uh, for sure, we will have many difficulties to find uh, young, motivated people to work in a surgical department. Uh, and when we check the literature, we didn't have any compare among uh, vascular surgery, radiology or angiology regarding bullying in the vascular work, uh, workspace. So when we discuss about it with Thanos, uh, he suggested to call Rachel and he did, <laughs> Thanos <laughs> and, and then, uh, as I said, uh, given her experience it was, uh, I think, a very good idea. And I think that Rachel will present you the results of the survey, uh, which are quite depressing, I would say.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like part of the inspiration was you guys have whether witnessed this or experienced it, maybe in your in your training and, and work environments, and and want to and and probably or heard about it from colleagues, want to improve the overall culture of vascular training in the vascular workplace. Uh, have you have you uh, involved any anybody from America, or is this purely a European um, project, Rachel?
1: Yeah, so um, I mean the RCPAD is um, composed of people from Europe. But the way we disseminated the survey was um, and partly based on social media. So we have had some respondents from the USA. We didn't purposefully contact anyone in the USA. Uh, I know there's some research already been done over there, um, but we didn't certainly didn't uh, exclude any USA participants from undertaking the survey. We did focus mainly on Europe-wide participants.
2: Okay. And we uh, we use some mail, mailing lists from professional societies and uh, backtable uh, support us as well. So we use the Wikipedia um, researcher physicians. Some of them are from the states. Yeah. Uh, we have, of course, uh, and co- uh, Rachel. Correct me if I'm wrong. Some like four uh, percent U.S. Uh, physicians responded. Four percent yeah. of the response are from the U.S. But mainly um is a european uh, project that's why mainly we focus in the european uh, countries
0: yeah understandable so so yeah you guys kind of touched on the the methods uh surveys were sent out but uh can you tell us a little bit more about what kind of questions were included in those surveys and, and what you guys were targeting with that information
1: sure so it was an internet based it, it was an international internet-based survey as we said, of medical practitioners in the vascular workplace, targeting vascular surgeons, interventional radiologists, and also angiologists, although we didn't have many of them respond. And we undertook it really via the various surgical and uh, endovascular societies, with um, us emailing our contacts and asking for this survey to be included on their mailing lists, and also via social media, media, and also by word of mouth. And we started with the usual questions about demographics, and then moved on to um, participants' experience, personal experience, of bullying, undermining and harassment behaviours in the workplace, asking about frequency um, over the past 12 months and over the past five years, and then their witness experience. So witnessing someone else experience these behaviours again over the past 12 months and at any time point in their career. And then we went on to ask a bit more about this. Why did they think they were experiencing these behaviours? What was this in relation to in terms of personal characteristics? And what did they do about it, if anything? So we had some options um, as to the responses someone might have if they experienced or witnessed these behaviors and whether they had any um, confidence in the system changing as a result of this and also things like did they consider resigning? Did they actually resign? And finally, we asked for some free text comments and perhaps this is the most illuminating part of the survey and and in some ways the most terrifying part of the survey actually when we asked for the free text comments.
0: And I imagine that's where people gave specific examples of their... Experiences with bullying and harassment, exactly. Yeah, so so let's talk a little bit about the results and what you guys found. Can you guys give us just like the big picture, and and feel free to share? Um, you know, obviously like what the data showed, but also maybe some of these examples of how people were uh, are experiencing these toxic environments.
1: Sure. So I'll kick off. Um, I think in total we got five hundred and eighty-six medical practitioners from mostly around Europe, um, 28 different countries, most commonly um, respondents from the UK, um, and then, as we said, a couple of respondents from the USA. They were typically, as you'd expect, majority were male, heterosexual, white, and it was um, predominantly a survey of vascular surgeons. Actually, 85% were vascular surgeons. Actually, interestingly, 57% were consultants, whereas previously we've surveyed, obviously, the Trainees Association of Surveyed Trainees, but we got a decent amount of consultants or attendings. And I think the headlines are that almost half of respondents had personally experienced bullying, undermining behaviour and harassment within the last 12 months. So 43.1% of the respondents. And that's anything from a medical student right up to an attending and a retired attending as well. Um, this was most commonly when um, junior as a resident or fellow, but it continued up to an you know, including consultant grade as well. And even worse than that, 75% of um, respondents had witnessed another colleague experiencing these behaviours. And half of that was in the last 12 months. So this is a really, um, it's a big problem. It's happening all the time and it's not an old problem either. And I think the, the key thing is recognizing it's not just a bunch of trainees reporting these problems. This is consultants amongst consultants as well.
0: Yeah. And and you said there, there's there been prior studies uh, in the past that maybe the methods are a little bit different, but did, or was there a, tra- have you noticed a trend, you know, up or down or just flatline? Uh, in in these behaviors, Constantinos, have you noticed anything in the in the data comparing your data versus prior studies?
2: I, th- I think the first time that we really included such a, such big numbers of consultants and head of departments and so on, so it's very difficult to compare them. Yeah. Uh, but I think, as uh, Rachel mentioned be- before, I don't think that the situation is getting better; probably the opposite. Uh, w- what's a very interesting finding and. Uh, I think Rachel can also comment on this, is that uh, the biggest problem, the, the major issue, or the the person that was uh, performing bullying uh, were head of the units or consultants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, you can imagine how difficult it is for younger persons to stand up against their consultants yeah, or to find a way to bypass them uh, in a big hospital and, and go to the administration or find someone that is going to help them. So when I when I saw the results and the, Rachel, I, I'm not sure about it. So something like more than fifty percent. Uh, the the bull, the person who was performing bullying was head of a unit or a consultant, right?
1: Some yeah, around that.
2: But 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 you know you know you can imagine Aaron. If, if you are a young resident or fellow or trainee or even a young consultant, and you have and you uh, experiencing a bullying behavior from the head of a unit, how easy it for you to do something, and uh, what you what can you really expect? So the only thing that most of the times you can do is to lead your job, right?
0: Yeah, and and just for our American audience who may not be uh, familiar with the the nomenclature, but c- the consultant in the in Europe is basically the equivalent of an attending, you know, uh, in the U.S. And we call them attendings. You guys call them consultants. But just so for anybody who, so that they're not confused, but yeah, it's it's you know, we hear stories. Uh, thankfully, in, in my program, there wasn't really much of that behavior, but you definitely hear stories out there across the the surgical specialties. And so, yeah, what what is somebody supposed to do when they experience that? Before we jump into, um, you know, if you guys have recommendations on, on that, you know, right now we're identifying the problem, how widespread is the problem. Are there any specific examples of uh, bullying, harassment that you guys can talk about without, you know... You know, being too specific.
1: Yeah, there's plenty, actually, and they're a little bit eye-watering in some um, cases. Now, we can't talk about things verbatim, so we just have to get broad broad themes. But um, we broke down um, all of the free text comments. There were over 450 free text comments of examples of any behavior that the respondent thought was bullying undermining harassment broke them into domains and themes, and unsurprisingly, there were quite a few with regards to um, gender discrimination or pregnancy discrimination. A common theme was females being told that they're too emotional to be surgeons, that it's a bad time to become pregnant, you know, that it's very inconvenient for the programme. And it's being told by colleagues as well as patients as well, and, and people feeling dismissed by patients and colleagues on the basis of their gender. And then similar um, in terms of racial or ethnic discrimination as well, one that stood out to me was someone who needed to attend a funeral of a relative that was happening at short notice according to their religious law, and they were denied time off um, because of that and were harassed quite specifically because of their religion. And really terrible examples of patients telling surgeons that it's not possible for them to be a surgeon because of the color of their skin. Wow. Yeah, that really stood out for me, actually. A bit of homophobic discrimination as well. People finding out that they weren't promoted because someone found out their sexual orientation. And then physical characteristics someone was told they were too fat to be a surgeon, someone was told they were too skinny. People are often told there's lots of unsolicited comments about appearances. And then some quite graphic um, and expletive laden quotes as well from people who were just downright. Um, subject to verbal abuse, like really inappropriate things that they they wrote about, actually, so it's pretty it's pretty stark stuff, and a lot of sexually inappropriate behavior, casual sexual jokes, and then actual sexual harassment that, um, if you read the comments, is clearly illegal, um, and that the perpetrator could be arrested for some really terrible things, actually.
0: Wow, yeah, that that is pretty eye opening, um, and, and so. What, you know, and you kind of touched on this, Konstantinos, but like a lot of people don't have options to just leave. You know, it's not just like a normal job, right? I mean, we're pretty committed to these positions. We've gone through uh, a lot of hoops to to get, you know, into a program, for example, a training program, especially if it's a, if it's a more elite program. What can people do? Do you guys have any guidance or information uh, for those who might be in a similar situation out there listening to this? Do you guys have any advice or do you provide advice in in this study uh, for what people, you know, some options for people who are experiencing this? Constantinos?
2: So, uh, Aaron, to be honest, I don't think that the solution is to leave your workplace. I think that's uh, the only thing that many people do. Uh, Because at the end of the day, you know, these people uh, that face bullying or harassment uh, in their work, they are the victims. So it's very sad. I'm I'm not sure how the things are in the UK or in general Europe, but my experience from Germany is that there is no clear way to defend yourself, even in the institutions. And that's why I mentioned before, that it's quite difficult when, when the the head of a unit is is your problem, how, how can you solve it? Right. Now, regarding your comment, if uh, if you could suggest something, uh, this wasn't the purpose of the of the study, so uh, right. I cannot really say something. But uh, I remember some emails sending us uh, from uh, from from some colleagues asking for help. Uh, you know, I'm facing bullying from this uh, colleague or another, and also mentioning names. So <laughs> I, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that the, the, the situation was quite bad. Uh, yeah. and as they were sending us email asking for help, but you know, we're, we cannot really help them. It was like a survey that we won't have a, a screenshot of, uh, the current situation uh, in Europe. Um, yeah. but in my personal experience in law, uh, there are not so many things that you can officially do, uh, at least in German. Yeah. Rachel, anything to add to that?
1: Yeah. I've been talk- thinking about this a uh, fair bit recently because of the Rilu Club survey, we've got longitudinal data. It tells us that it's getting worse in the UK or it's being reported as worse in the UK by vast Trinies. Now, it's small numbers. And very um, understandably, some of the criticisms are, well, it's fine to talk about it and do surveys, but what are you going to do about it? So I've been thinking right. quite a, a lot about it and the reasons why it's happening and what we can do about it. And I think the first thing is that um, we are owning it and we are talking about it. And that's the first step. But more has to be done than that. Um, and it's got to be at a personal and institutional level as well. I think the societies um, have responsibility to signpost people, not to mediate and deal with it. But there are always in healthcare organisations and in societies, there are pathways to deal with this um, sort of problem at the HR level and above. But I think everyone, one thing that I've seen recently, which has just come out, is the American College of Cardiology policy statement on building respect, civility, inclusion in cardiovascular workplace. And it was literally just published um, a couple of weeks ago. And it's gone through in great detail why these problems and behaviours are a safety issue and a problem with our workforce that needs to be addressed. And they've just taken it um, and taken things step by step and told us why we need to worry about this and what we need to do about it. And they've got some nice schematics um, with regards to reporting and dealing with with these behaviours about confidential mechanisms for investigating the behaviours, creating institutional resources, collecting data and getting some independent evaluation of the culture in each unit. And also recognising good behaviour, because, you know, it can't always be a bad news story. I think we've got to recognise the people who are doing things well and try and emulate that. And just in general, one thing that stood out to me is how it's got to start on an individual level as well. And we all learn our behaviours from people around us. Um, so we we are, you know, from medical students who mature into these healthcare professionals, who are completely in, involved in, in our the culture around us, the norms that we our experience to the beliefs and values of people around us, and when they change, then we will change. So I think it's really got to start from the very beginning. We've got to look at ourselves, we've got to look at the institutions, and we need to have all those things in place. But there's certainly some good, there's good work happening at the moment, actually, and I would really recommend listeners to refer to those ACC policy statements, actually, they're just out. But, but yeah, I, th- th- I think
2: that Rachel, sorry to interrupt, it's clear the situation is very different uh, among different countries. So, mm-hmm. I can imagine that uh, in the UK or, or in Germany or in the States, it's easier to find a solution to guide you through the system for sure. form, yeah. uh, uh rather than South Europe or other Asian states. So, it's also a very cultural thing. Uh, right. And this is not result of the survey. It's my personal opinion. But, you know, I studied in Greece and then went to Germany and I think that... Um, There are many, many different cultural uh, differences. So I'm pretty happy in Germany, you know, uh, sexual harassment jokes are not allowed in the OR or in in general, but it was the case when I was a student. So I was hearing Mm -hmm. them the the entire day and um, if we're fair, I was also repeating. So somehow I had to mature enough to understand Mm -hmm. that this is a a, a situation and the behavior that's, it's, it's not acceptable. And uh, right. Rachel is uh, absol- absolutely right. We have to change ourselves. This is the, f- the the first step. And then, of course, we have to involve an administration, societies, et cetera, to help the people that are are in help that they need help.
0: Yeah, those are great points. And and you're right, Constantinos. Maturity has a lot to do with it. And making and and you know our trainees are impressionable, right? So if they were abused, then a lot of times that abuse carries on because they just that's what they were impressed upon it's almost hardwired into them that that's okay uh, as they go forward as consultants or attendings and and you know we've talked about that on um you know there's a there's a great podcast called operate with zen by Phil Pirazio. Pier- he's a urologist who kind of touches upon that how you just have to much like what Rachel was saying like you have to have good role models in your training so that you can emulate them in the future and and also talk about the bad the bad stuff that's happening. So if you can't raise awareness and you just push everything under the rug that happens that's bad, then it's just going to perpetuate. And so, you know, what you guys have done with this study, raising awareness, reflecting on the problem, um, and talking about it. And then hopefully we can see presentations at, you know, conferences and societies so that we can all openly talk about it and know, okay, this is an issue. Let's make sure it's trending down and not up uh, and not and, and, and goes away. So um, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Any th- any final thoughts before we wrap up, Rachel?
1: Yeah, I think just one other little thing that's come out of um, me thinking and reading into this a bit more is the idea that this um, the uncivil behavior kind of clusters. So where there's bias and discrimination and a lack of diversity, that often breeds uncivil behavior. And if we look at the mm-hmm. changing demographic of our workforce. I think we're getting more diverse and I think we want to reflect society a bit more and as that's happening, people don't fit in and people don't follow the same path and people don't feel necessarily like the new trainees, the new vascular surgeons are the image of themselves and perhaps that is one of the issues. So if we encourage diversity and embracing diversity, hopefully um, those behaviours will start to dissipate. So I thought that was a really interesting point that I'd, I'd read about actually.
0: Yeah, and that goes with you know sexual orientation as well, right? Because you know you're talking about gender discrimination and and uh, homophobia that being part of the workplace, like that all. Yeah, we need to kind of kind of get rid of all that. And so, how do we, you know di- diversity helps improve that? Because exactly a lot of it it's based in fear, and the fear is because you don't you're not familiar you. that's the unknown. So exactly and, you know, the more people you know of that race or that sexual orientation chances are your fear is going to go away and you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be fearful of it.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And there's also, if you don't mind, a little quote um, that I, again, saw in a paper from the annals of surgery um, that really resonated with me. And um, these guys said, bullying is the perfect antidote to self-worth and job satisfaction. It's the perfect crime that leaves no visible marks, but effectively destroys one's ego, identity and resilience. And that was by um, authors Pai and Cochrane in 2019 in the Annals of Surgery. I think that's it. It's the perfect crime, workplace building among surgeons.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you for sharing that. Constantinos. any final thoughts before we wrap up?
1: So, you know,
2: now that um, I'm a consultant, we're discussing a lot in the stuff, uh, how we're going to recruit new uh, residents, residents, trainees, etc. We are struggling to find people willing to do surgery. And uh, I think it's, a, it's really a waste and it's, it's, it's really a pity that we as a society, not we as a department, but as a society and our culture exclude so many people uh, because of the gender, because of their sexual orientation or skin. And we're at the same time, we're lacking of people that are willing to uh, do surgery. So I'm, I'm not sure how things are in different uh, departments, different specializations. But if we don't change the way that we approach younger people, younger medical students etc we will face much bigger problems and we have mm-hmm. to end this toxic environment now yeah I agree
0: and um that, i think that's a great way to uh summarize the purpose of the study and And thank you guys so much for coming on again to our audience if you guys haven't checked it out yet check out com. martin schrader was another guest that we had on recently another contributor or uh co-founder of Vascopedia, right so uh, we, we love working with, with y'all and, and hopefully we can collaborate going forward. Rachel, it's so great to have you on the show. And um, uh, also audience, Rachel's been on Audible Bleeding, the uh, vascular surgery podcast a number of times. So definitely keep uh, look, look for her, her episodes. Thank you to our audience and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, direct message us at at underscore Backtable on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Backtable is produced and hosted by myself, Aaron Fritz, and co-hosts Chris Beck, Sabine Don, Michael Barraza,
2: and Ali Behetti.
0: Our audio team lead is Karen Gannon, with support from Caleb Hodson, Josh McWhirter, and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital
2: marketing led by Brian Schmitz. Article and Transcript, support by Taylor Robinson.
0: And Delaney Aguilar. Social media and PR by Anne Dang.
2: Intro and extra music is Ripperoo by Skeptic Moon. Find us on Spotify or at local live music venues in New Orleans, Louisiana.
0: Thanks again for listening, and see you next week.